Welcome to Cobra Kai Never Dies. I'm your host, Nina. I'm your other host, Letha. And today we're talking about Season 5, Episode 5, Extreme Measures. Netflix synopsis, Daniel leans on a friend and frenemy. Tensions come to a head for Miguel and Robbie. And I think that's it. I really? may have mangled the Netflix synopsis, guys. <laughs> it's not perfect every time. Well, um, you know, the, the synopsis sort of... Uh... I try to do a better synopsis when we upload the episode with a, with a mm-hmm. twist. Because, like, that Netflix synopsis really doesn't encapsulate much of anything. I don't know. Then he mentioned Stingray. Right? Or really just, like, anything. Okay, yes, Daniel. Wait, is Daniel Lean's on a friend and frenemy? Is he talking about Stingray? No, he's talking about I think he's talking Chosen. about Johnny as his frenemy. Yeah. Is he still his frenemy? I don't know. I mean, who's his... Wait, it, who, what friend is he leaning on? Chosen. <laughs> okay, <laughs> sure. Although we both know he's more than a friend at this point. I know. So do you want to start well, with... Let's uh, start with Daniel. Yeah. Um, honestly, yeah, this is a very Daniel-centric episode. And honestly, I didn't mind. Um, because I think we're at a interesting crisis point with him. Oh, yeah. Right up until the end, I was like, this is the greatest Daniel episode ever. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the things that we talked about, about his, like, divorced energy, because Amanda has cleared out to Ohio, taken the kids, which uh, we can talk about that later, but um, anyone surprised that she took Anthony? I wish she would have left Anthony. Totally just forgot him, yeah. But maybe she's like, Daniel's just wandering around drinking whiskey at 10 a.m., And yeah. then, like, the, the camera zooms out, and you see, like, Chosen is, like, making breakfast for them. So he's very comfortable there. Chosen, yeah. he Chosen is, like, in his element. He's, like, dishing out the platitudes. And then Daniel says at one point, I don't want, I'm not in the mood for platitudes, oh, which since, was gas. Yeah, since when? He is not well. Mm-hmm. He's um, got a five o'clock shadow. He uses bad words. I mean, it's... Yeah. Were you surprised that Chosen seemed to be wanting to get the family back together? Because I was like, Chosen... You need crazed, like, unraveled Daniel to keep the script going. Right. And, in fact, towards the end, when Daniel finally seems to, like, calm down and come to his senses, he does tell, you know, Chosen is, like, going back to Japan. And you can tell that Chosen is like, shit, I I may have overplayed my hand here. He's like, uh, yeah, are you sure you want to, like, give up this, like defending Miyagi-Do's honor. I was like, that's not a job, Chosen. (laughs) You cannot stay on this couch any longer, Chosen. Oh, no. Do you think he gets to keep the couch? I mean, he did buy the couch. I mean, it's from Mike Barnes. Like, it's probably a collector's item. Right, since all that other furniture's on fire. Yeah. Still burning, I'm sure. I know. Um, But, uh, yeah, it's great to see... I mean, this is what we've always asked for. Like, Daniel needed a descent into honestly kind of madness and we you know like the show was sort of calling out for it because he's always he's he's always like in the moral high ground sensible man position so it's good to see that his war with terry silver and his family like leaving it's driving him a little nuts yeah and it's very interesting that he's just classic daniel and that he's blaming everything on terry silver like you know even blaming amanda for not being able to see through the act which it's like okay maybe amanda didn't know beat by beat that like (laughs) Terry Silver got in his head and Mike Barnes dangled you know a couple people over the side of the cliff but you know she got the highlight reel um but it's also like Terry Silver was sort of playing on existing vulnerabilities in their marriage right it's like he didn't you know ask Daniel to sneak away to Okinawa and flirt with Kuliko (laughs) and neglect their business he didn't ask daniel to invite like uh like a japanese man to live with them so that they could like play the hardy boys all day man well i mean it's been a while since he's brought out the old zip line you know like he's it's probably still there probably probably, still there he probably has a duffel bag that just has a zip line you can take the man off the zip line but i don't know how to finish that sentence forget that (laughs) i'll abort um but it's really it's it's quite great and like uh you start off the episode where, like, someone has sent, like, an anonymous news clipping of Crease's uh, trial and, like, written the words liar over, like, a little artist depiction of Stingray with Stingray's address. So, you know, of course, next up for the Hardy Boys is to visit Stingray's address. And they very quickly figure out exactly what happened. Like, it's just like, you're rich. You're driving around, like, actually Johnny's old car. You're living in a fancy pad that, you know, we learned at the beginning of the episode Silver pays for. And they're just like, oh, okay, so I got it. Crease never beat you up. 
you just said he did and are taking money from Silver because of that. So Yeah, they kind yeah. of speed through the exposition, which I, honestly I'm fine with. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to overthink it too much, but um, Stingray's, what did you think of Stingray's uh, pad? <laughs> well, it's got a snake rug. I mean, That's true. It looked like the inside of a Spencer's, which listeners, if you haven't been to like a 90s California mall in Northern California, Spencer's. It was it's, an experience. Yeah. It, I mean, as, as you know, I have a... Despite not actually liking anything about Stingray, I have a fondness for Stingray because I think he represents me as a millennial. I and, mean, don't we all just wish for someone to, like, underwrite our expenses? Yes. And... He, he's living the millennial dream, which is an old man underwriting your expenses for some reason. and Selling out your values. Yeah. And for it. Right. We never had them. We're millennials. So it's it's... It's actually kind of interesting, like, at the beginning of the episode, like, it starts off with Stingray coming back to Cobra Kai, and, like, Terry Silver sort of fawning over him effusively, and, you know, it's like, I get what Stingray's doing, like, you know, he, he already got beaten up severely, like, he might as well reap the profits from it, right? Yeah, all he ever wanted was validation, but I feel like, um, yeah, and Terry Silver, I guess, you know, uh, is pretty good at just sort of, like, celebrating Stingray. With a straight face. I know. Like, it's pretty amazing. Crease could, could never have done that, ever. Yeah. Um, like, Crease could barely contain his contempt. Terry Silver knows how to work it a bit better. But uh, when Daniel and Chosen confront him, like... You know, the first time we watched this, I felt like I remember Daniel being more aggressive than he actually is. Like, he's being, like, you know, for Daniel, kind of, like, a bit aggro. But, like, he doesn't actually attack Stingray. I think he just kind of, like, I don't know, like, lunges at him and Stingray, like trips over his feet and breaks his own PlayStation. Yeah, it's out of character for Daniel, which, I mean, I feel like Daniel's always been this, like, coiled, like, has all the simmering rage or, like, unaddressed, you know? Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, Johnny was a little bit out with it. Yeah, you know where the rage is. Right. With Daniel, it's like, it's yeah. It's coming out now. Yeah, it's still, like, not really, like, he, he doesn't, like, beat up uh, Stingray or anything, but, you know, he does, like, act more aggressive than usual. Chosen is like, hey, cool it, bro. Yeah, it's bad news when Chosen's pulling you back. Yeah, right? It's, um, so, this is when, like, Daniel's like, yeah, put this guy in his PlayStation, I'm gonna see somebody who can help me. And, you know, it turns out to be Johnny, and Johnny himself is, like, in a bit of, like, a transitional mode in that exact moment. But what did you think of their conversation? You know, initially, I was just like, of course you come to Johnny when you need something. and But I love the contrast because it was like, this is what we were asking for. Like, Johnny's in a new phase of his life. He's solving conflicts. He's the peacemaker. He's getting his life together. He's mm-hmm. got a baby down his way. He is so far beyond this karate bullshit um, no, it's, like, it's, he's just staring at Daniel. Like, he doesn't even really react to some of the... Because Daniel, you know, responds by insulting him. I mean, and, Daniel finally, like, again, I was kind of like, guys, you're not really letting the Daniel rage flow here. He's not even really doing anything in Stingray. But here he goes, like, he calls Johnny a pussy. And I was, like, trying to think, like, have we ever heard Daniel LaRusso, like, really swear before? Like, no, I don't think so. No, so it's, it's a big a, moment for Jersey him. Jersey boy coming out. Yeah, right? And, like... It is actually, like, a really great scene. Like, it's just, like, if you look at Cobra Kai as an arc to, like, get this scene where, like, Johnny just kind of stares at him and, like, you know, and and Daniel's, like, trying to pick this fight. And in every other season when they fight, like, you know, it's, like, Johnny succumbs to, like, his aggression. And this time Johnny's just like, hey, man, you're here, you're here out of the blue. You're reeking of booze. You're trying to pick a fight. What's wrong? What's what happened? Let's talk yeah, it out. Yeah, you realize that Johnny is kind of used to this. He's used to handling people that are like aggro and because he's aggro. Yeah, like he exactly. or old Johnny, classic Johnny, as as Daniel refers to him, was this guy who would always show up raking a booze and like ready to start a fight. And it's kind of nice to see like he's able to use like that life experience to be like, let's talk it out. Let's calm you down you here. Know, I admit I like the bonding scene, but what bothers me about Daniel is that he can't help but be condescending to Johnny. And I wonder if it's one of those friendships where it's like, it's fine and calm as long as Johnny's doing worse. You know, like Daniel will always have this kind of chip on his shoulder where he looks down on Johnny. And now it's like, hey, Johnny's got his family together. It's Daniel who's like alone. Actually, you know, I totally... everybody. I totally disagree. I feel like this is the first time I saw them as, like, actually, like, friends and not, like, allies of convenience because it's, like, 
they could never have a real friendship as long as Daniel was like always like always had the upper hand and was always kind of looking down on Johnny. But like now that like Johnny's helped him out in like a really low five o'clock shadow moment of his own, like it finally felt like these seem like people who could be actual friends and not just like people thrown together to like fight a karate enemy. Um, and I like that a lot. It was, but it didn't feel like Daniel was giving him like backhanded compliments. Well, yeah, but it wasn't. I mean, he's still, you know, he's still Daniel. I wouldn't want him to like stop because then he would. They Maybe wouldn't really be honest like, either. Yeah, I don't know if I could be friends with someone like that. It's like, well, well, you're doing all right for you know someone for you. like you. Yeah, I mean that's it. That's got to be the way. Like they're. They're always going to, like, snipe at each other. And, like, that's, you know, if they're going to be friends, they can't stop being who they are. But you also, I also think they could never have been really friends before when, like, Daniel was always like, oh, man, Johnny, losing his cool all the time. Like, he needed to, he needed to be brought low. You realize, though, that Daniel actually doesn't have any friends. I mean, beyond Chosen. Like, that's, that's why. Like, he's, it's not just, like, he's helping Chosen and him need the kind of illusion of having a caper to hang out together. It's Just true. Just like, you know, Johnny and Daniel could have been friends, but they needed whatever, this ancient Cobra Kai war to, like... To bring them together. Them to, like, grab a beer sometimes, which yeah. is just sad. I know. I mean, maybe this is all just... I've often a said the show... on male friendship. Yes, thank you. It's a commentary on fatherhood and a treatise on male friendship. That's what this show is at the end of the day, at the heart of it. Um, so all this is to say I really like Daniel's arc, except... Oh, man. I mean, well, maybe this is more about Amanda, so I won't, I won't touch that until we get to Amanda. But, like, in the end, he goes back to Stingray's apartment. He bought the dude a new PlayStation, which was a nice touch. But, like, of course, of course, he goes in and Terry Silver is in the apartment. <laughs> and, I mean, my question to you is, like, how long has he been hiding in the chimney? And also, like, I mean, seriously, like, he couldn't have known when Daniel would come. So he's just been there for, like, weeks, right? Just waiting for this moment. Yeah, they're doing a little bit of the same thing, like, you know, how they were, like, kind of giving Kree supernatural powers, where it's like, how does he know everything ahead of time? It's kind of like that, where, like, Silver's one step ahead, or two steps ahead, and he's playing the lawyer's voicemail, and he knows all about it, yeah. and he's lurking in the sauna. I just think, you know what, He it's it's at night, the dojo's closed. You know, he, he, he doesn't sleep out. at night. He probably turns into a bat at night. So why not? Okay, sure. Yeah, but you know, I, I gotta say, I just love that he can really be himself around Daniel. You know, he doesn't have to put on that kind of professional sensei filter that he does for his other students. It's true. He, it's just him and Daniel. It's you know, the 80s. I'm buying into your theory that you had, which is like, I, I was like, it's kind of it's kind of ridiculous. Like anytime Terry Silver is around Daniel, he immediately starts stroking the white cat and being yeah. like, "Ha! My evil plan has come to fruition." And you, what you said to me, like I think last time we recorded an episode, was just like, you can tell that da- Daniel and Terry sort of need each other so that they can be like a Bond movie villain they both and hero more together. Alive because Daniel's like, no one ever believes me when I say Silver is like totally crazy. And Silver's like, I never get to be crazy. Right. I kind of have to keep a veneer of respectability. But now I get to, like, threaten super bizarre things. Like, wait, I think I wrote this down somewhere. At this point, like, you know... uh, I wrote a lot of things down. Like, I don't give a shit about the valley. (laughs) Right. Like, because actually Daniel has come to his senses after his talk with Johnny. By the way, I appreciated that, like, when Daniel shows up and is like... Johnny, you got to get involved with this war against Silver with me. I'd kind of forgotten that, like, oh, yeah, like, really, it's only Daniel and Chosen warring against Silver. Like, Johnny's been, like, doing other stuff. And, like, what he says is, like, oh, that that makes sense. He's like, you know, we we did say that if we lost the tournament, we would, you know, let them have Cobra Kai and, and do their dojo thing. So, one, that's the deal. Two, it reminded me that, like, Johnny was just like, you know, Robbie's out, Kreese is in jail. I, I take that as a win. It's like, oh yeah, Johnny doesn't actually have any personal beef with Silver. Yeah, all the people that directly had beef with Silver, Mike Barnes, out of the picture. Jessica Andrews is the only one alive to externally validate the tale. Right, which we, we will get to. But like, yeah, yeah like, I, I was like, oh yeah, good reminder. Thank you, show, for like really like respecting that not everyone has the same relationship with Terry Silver that Daniel does. But, um... You know, after his talk with Johnny, Daniel's like, yeah, no, this isn't worth losing my family over. 
And he tells Silver, like, it's fine. Like, you you have Cobra Kai, you have the Valley, which is actually the original deal with the tournament, so, yeah. you know. But, uh, of course, Silver, like, maniacally is like, the Valley doesn't mean shit to me. My plans are so much bigger than that. His plans are really not that much bigger than that. <laughs> His plans are just to take Cobra Kai International, which is okay. I mean, I thought your plan was to, like, start a cult or something, but, eh. Okay. Whatever. Yeah, we haven't even gotten to the episode where they start shipping in senseis. But, um, yeah, did you like the line where he says it was remarkable how easy it was to disrupt her marriage? Uh, he's not wrong. I mean, all he does is drop truth bombs, and Daniel needs to hear it. Yeah. I mean, but he's also just like. How's it gonna, how easy is it going to be to wrap your kids in Cobra Kai geese? And that's the thing that like totally drives Daniel to attack. And I'm just like, Christ, man. Please, like he isn't dying to hand over Anthony. Right. <laughs> Come on. Somebody else parent this kid. It's, yeah. Again, Silver, The like, what's the name of the actor? You know this by heart. Uh, the actor who plays Anthony? Terry Silver. Oh, Thomas Ian Griffith. Of course you do. Uh, Thomas Ian Griffith is, like, having so much fun. I appreciate that. But, like, if you actually, like, listen to all of his lines, you're like, what does this guy want? What is he about? I don't even know. Um, it's about feeling alive, Lotha. I guess it okay? is about feeling alive. And seeking out the people that make you feel alive. And beating up a, a middle-aged car salesman in Sabonos' apartment. He's not even selling cars. Not really. Not, not really. He's, he's just, just a full-time, he's like... He's just middle-aged. He's a full-time caper-goer with Chosen, yeah. So, but he, yeah, it's, he does beat up Daniel pretty badly, which led to my second question that I wanted to ask you. Like, how fucking strong is Terry Silver? Like, we've seen him beat up Johnny, right? I mean, and we've seen that, him beat up Daniel. Watching that fight was kind of embarrassing because it's like, you know, even Karate Kid Part 3 where, like, Daniel looks like a child and you knew he was no match for Terry Silver. It's not that different now where Terry Silver is still, like, a foot taller than him. You can even tell, like, one has experience with karate, the other one doesn't. <laughs> but, like... I know they fight, but honestly, I was just like... I, it's I a beatdown, yeah. I know. It totally is. I mean, yes, does Terry Silver resort to things like headbutting? Sure. It's not exactly a fair fight. But, I mean, I'm sorry, I don't want to be ageist here, but... Okay, we've seen Terry Silver fight Johnny and also kind of, like, hand his ass to him, right? Like, seriously, how strong is this guy? Like, why... He's he's not young, Mina. He's not at his karate prime. He's a silver fox, Lepa. I mean, just because you want to do him, it doesn't mean that he's at his karate prime. Like... I am objectively evaluating the karate ability of two people on screen. I don't know what's going through your head. I mean, he's... I'm just saying, like, I don't know what age your karate prime is, but he's just you not know, at it anymore. Like, he shouldn't be, it's like... It's not like they use special effects on that scene. I think they did. What? To make Daniel worse than he is? <laughs> I'm sorry. That's natural, raw, crap, talent, <laughs> lack of talent that you're seeing. Okay? They're just filming reality. I mean, maybe I'm cocaine sorry. makes you stronger. I don't <laughs> I'm know. sorry that it's not a sci-fi movie where <laughs> they make Daniel, like, into a superhero. I think that they made Terry Silver into a supervillain, but I'm not mad at it. Yeah. I just wanted to, like, bring that up. That he's... What I liked also is that they like put in an operatic score. Oh, my God. getting the beat down, um, and they they did the the real pain is about to begin. Danny Boy, great, great callback to Part 3. Honestly, it just... It, you can tell how much they loved the, the third movie, as I do, um, because, like... Anytime they can flash back to them. Oh, they, they love do. flashing back to I it. I know, but there's so much great stuff. And there's that part when, you know, uh, Daniel looks down at his um, knuckles and they're bloodied and it's... Uh, and it's, it's flashback breathe. time. Yeah. Fight. Yeah. I, I mean, it does remind you, that. like, wow, Terry Silver did some really fucked up things in the 80s and is doing kind of the same things again, but whatever. <laughs> I, and I, I wasn't mad at it. It was like, and it was also pretty hilarious, like when he, um, you know, at the end when Daniel's on the ground, like bleeding in several places, you know, Silver's like, don't think of this as mercy. I want you to be alive for what's coming. And it's like, wait, you, you were thinking you were going to kill this guy? Murder's still a crime. We still live in the world, for God's no. sakes. Um, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> it's Silver. I, maybe he's going to try to Frame another person for it? Yeah, yeah. Stingray or something? <laughs> Actually, yeah. It's, it's, and then that. the next season is all about, like, double jeopardy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Guys, watch the Ashley Judd movie. It's prescient. Um, all right. So. I think we got to do Amanda because okay, that kind of yeah. dovetails in. Yeah. So Amanda's in Ohio with Sam and Anthony. She's and visiting her mom. Who is very pro-divorce. Yeah, his her mom is very, like, uh, libertine. And it's just you like... You get the feeling that she was probably not a fan of Daniel. Right. She's like, that guy, you'll find a better one. I Come really on. I think... I mean, we all know that Amanda could do better. And Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Any day. Wouldn't it be great if Amanda had, like, a high school flame kind of like um, Allie... Who was just there being like, hey, Yeah, like the up? town hot guy that you always, you know, thought you'd get with. Now, I wish I'd seen that at the bar instead of what yeah. we actually do see. But I have to say this. Um, so, like, Amanda's cousin is coming over to, like, take her and the kids out for dinner. And when she arrives, who is it? It's Jessica Andrews. Now, I didn't remember her name until they said it in the episode. But still, it's the girl from Karate Kid 3. It was great. That's a I love that. Of, like, that actually makes a lot of sense. And you realize, like... The actress was like 16 mm-hmm. in that movie and, you know, she looks basically the same. She she looks it's basically crazy. the same. So And it's so it's like, I mean, if you listeners, if you've ever listened to like our review of Karate Kid 3, the movie, which is mostly Nina gushing, but also one of the things I really liked about it that I only found out afterwards is like because the actress was so young, it's like that there's no romance between her and Daniel. Like they, he actually kind of asked her out. And then she's like, ah, oh, well, actually, like, me and my ex are, have decided to do long distance. And he's just like, cool, we'll just be friends. And I thought that was such a great, refreshing choice for a movie to make until, like, you, I think you told me that, like, yeah, they were like, nope, she's too young. We're going to have to, like, change this so it's not creepy. But, uh... Yeah, I mean, you realize, like, in the 80s, they just couldn't get away from formula movies unless something like that happened. Like, damn it, we've already cast her and signed the contract. But I loved... I love that they were just friends, and I think it's it's such an organic way to work her into this this whole Cobra Kai universe, just to be like, oh yeah, well, she is, I mean, it's not random that she's Amanda's cousin. She's the reason that Amanda and Daniel met. She, like, totally introduced them. Like, oh, that's yeah, nice. Yeah, remember we were speculating that they met on a car lot? <laughs> I was, yes. Fell in love. Remember that whole montage of them, like, it was their, like, foreplay, they like, healing their marriage by selling cars This is true. Yeah, I assume that they... was dark. <laughs> I know. So I actually like this kind of like, oh, they met like, that's a very normal way to meet, right? That's yeah. cool. And um, it's nice, honestly, to see Amanda away from the fray. I, what, I mean, I loved the kind of scenes of her, you know, grabbing drinks and like relaxing. But the thing is, she looks so much happier away from LaRusso Otto, like away from Daniel's bullshit that you're like, maybe the mom has a point. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like she just looks like... She's free. Yeah. And the thing that, you know, that I've always liked Amanda as a character. I've always, I mean, I've always felt like she was like a nice, like voice of sanity just to be like, this is stupid, right? Because somebody needs to say that this is stupid. But basically at the bar, um, Jessica tells her like, you know, when she's talking about what's going on with her and Daniel and all the karate enemies and Terry Silver, Jessica, of course, experienced Terry Silver firsthand. And I'm not saying she's right. Like, Terry Silver's goons did assault her and leave her dangling off a cliff and all that stuff. But basically what this does plot-wise, it's like, right now Amanda's like, look, I'm kind of tired of of, uh, of Daniel's bullshit. And basically Jessica is like, it's not bullshit because Terry Silver is really that bad and so everything Daniel has done is justified. Right? Yeah, it's like, you know what? While you're at the bar, why don't you tell Jessica about the time that, you know... You were taking care of two kids who were in various karate wars and running the business full time while Daniel was, you know, grabbing drinks with Kumiko. Like, Ooh, you cannot let go of the Kumiko thing. I can't because it was super shady. And you know what I mean? It's just like, or the time where he was like giving fuck eyes at Allie during the country club scene. Wow. Like, I'm sorry, but like, I Daniel's don't... <laughs> got a rap sheet a mile long. I, I don't know what you're talking about. Daniel has his problems, but I think his problems are more on the lines of like getting like getting off on being like the the like the good guy in the karate wars in his mind. Um, yeah, you know, I guess it's disappointing because it felt like it was almost like it was Daniel's cousin. Like, you know, like she had already like her sympathies were with Daniel instead of Amanda, where maybe Amanda was like sugarcoating a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like if this is your cousin and you guys are close, you wouldn't be giving the Reader's Digest version of you know your marital troubles. 
I mean... So she wasn't even... She didn't even want to talk about it. And it's like, okay, who is Amanda confiding in? Who, can she talk to anyone about all of the, the last four years of... Because she's like, I guess it all started when Daniel got back into karate three years ago. Yeah. Like, it's been three It's been years. a while since he's like... Yeah, because like... Some of the bigger issues in their marriage, I would say, aren't even, like, this Terry Silver debacle, but stuff like how, you know, like, simpler issues. Like, he wasn't at the car dealership for the past three years, so she's, like, running their business alone, you know? You know what I mean? Like, and the show, obviously, like, even though I love that the show finally is, like, the show Daniel's Descent, it it stops short. It, it's like, but don't worry, because Daniel's still always in the right, and he is totally justified in this yeah, crazy paranoid like, war, and he's, he's, Terry Silver is exactly as much of a threat as he's always said, you know, and it's like, oh, God, and then what this does to Amanda for the rest of the season is that she is not, no longer the person who's like, this is kind of dumb, right? She's like the person who's like, this can only be solved through karate war, obviously, which is just like, we have enough people like that. Yeah, that's everybody on the show. Right. You needed an Amanda. You needed one, and you kind of neutered her. Yes, you can neuter a, a female. It's almost worse to like go halfway and have her leave for an episode, and then get sort of dragged back in. It sucks, actually. Oh, and, um, and uh, yeah. what did you think of the fight with the mean girls at the bar? I thought it was nonsensical, to Nonsensical. Be yeah. Like, I like giving Amanda a little bit of backstory, um, like... Yeah, she's I like, kind of a badass, and like it helped her bond with Tori. Remember, we thought she was yep. going to adopt Tori. Well, yeah, I like that. It, it's kind of like you get a reference when the mean girls at the bar are like, "What did we used to call you when you like, you know, attacked that girl's car with a bat, Babe Ruthless?" And it's just like, look, I like that part of Amanda's backstory. Like, it sort of just kind of makes sense as to why she would like sympathize with like somebody like Tori. But it's just weird to see these like middle aged like women like what. I don't know, taunting her about it? You know what? I hate to say this, but it's almost like you have this writer's room. They're like, what do we give the women characters? Okay, let's give them a barroom brawl and have it make no sense. Like, it's it's like, what do they talk about when they get together, Jessica and um, Amanda? They talk about Daniel. And it bugs me because it's like, no one wants to spend any more time on Daniel's bullshit, guys. Okay, he's getting talked off the edge by Chosen, by Johnny, and sure, he ends up bloodied in a pile by Terry Silver, but that was his own fault. I mean, I would like an episode that's just Amanda's day where she actually, like, it's, it's kind yeah, of cool I when mean, she just gets plots of her own. It's almost like they were like, we know we've underwritten this character, but we don't actually know how to, like, round this out, and the barroom brawl was just like, it, let's try something here, and... Oddly, I think it might have been an attempt to give Sam a little shading. Like, you know, Sam and Anthony had that scene where they're kind of bonding as siblings over... Which they, like, never do. It's nice yeah, to see. it's nice to see. It's like, at least Sam is not talking about... Boys. She's talking about... Um, or her self-actualization. Um, and like, I don't know. Poor Anthony needs some nurturing I like Anthony. I think that, like... So, yeah, while, like, um... While Jessica and, and Amanda are talking about, like, her marital woes, like, you've got... Anthony and Sam, like, playing on a video game. Sam is like, look, you went Valley viral, like, with that scene of, like, uh, Kenny, like, bullying you at the water park. And I, I really just like, because uh, Sam says, like, why didn't you get me? I was right there, which I was like, that's, I rolled my eyes at that. Like, that's such a tone-deaf thing to say. And Anthony's response, this kid, this kid can act. He, like, really knows how to deliver lines without ever overplaying them. Sam learned something. But, like... <laughs> He's just like, look, well, I thought it wouldn't be a great move to bring my sister to defend me against my bully, and also I kind of deserved it, which is just like, I like this kid. Yeah, Anthony really has do. grown so much yeah. in the last couple seasons. Um, also, I had to laugh when Sam was like, so she comes to the rescue, which again, is like, okay, fine. I did kind of like that, because you're just reminded, like, oh yeah, Sam knows karate, right? Okay, cool. Yeah, um, and then she's like, I thought I was done with karate. Um, and I had actually forgotten, like, oh yeah, that was your experience in your weird you know how isolation we're, like, pod. We talk about this should be the character's last scene, and we we said if Robbie had gone out on that, him hugging note, Johnny yeah, that at the end of perfect. that season, like this could have been Sam's last scene. She's like the kind of final thesis of her character is that hey, karate is good sometimes, uh, especially if you're out in the real world. And scene. Yep. You don't need... Sam's... That's the most you're ever going to get out of Sam's character arc. And there is a nice thing where she offered... Like, you know, um, Anthony's impressed by her karate skills. 
and Sam offers to teach her something and it, it, teach him some and you know she'll be a different like kind of teacher than her dad and like you know maybe he'll respond to it better and I was just like this she never get they never get scenes together so it's nice and also it's like I feel like it is like the one good thing that Sam has ever done in her yeah. life like it's like it comes from a genuine motivation to protect her little brother which is very relatable and like also you realize a lot of the other characters got into karate like Miguel got into it because he was being bullied I think Robbie got into it because like he found a father figure from it you know and I honestly don't know why Sam got into karate because she was not being bullied she didn't need a father figure. She has one. She just got into it because it was written in the script that she would get into it, right? And it's just yeah. like, but it's like it's like the first time I've ever actually seen like her use it for something. Like if she learned karate to beat up Kyler, that would have been one thing, right? Or like you know, as a as a woman, it's good to be able to defend yourself. No, that's not why she did any of it. Like she just, yeah, she's just there. But didn't mind that scene though. Yeah, I think when Sam, when you get like. Look, we were hard on Sam, but, like, sometimes it's just, like, you know how we liked it when she interacted with Johnny in the previous season? Like, stop having her have the same conversations with the same people. I don't need to watch her have another conversation with Miguel about their relationship. Like, I can't do it. I honestly can't. And, yeah. Or, like, yeah, like, I don't know, maybe she and, God, penis breath should talk about life. I don't know, anything. Just, like, <laughs> fucking mix it up. <sighs> oh my god but you know it's like if it depends on who sam is playing off of she's a blank slate but when you put her with someone dynamic like johnny or you know somebody else or even her brother yeah, yeah like you get something um okay so that that would be that plot so let's let's get to miguel robbie and johnny yes okay so johnny tries to sun trap miguel <laughs> and robbie by Inviting them to an olive garden. So, okay. This was such clear product placement. And I actually wrote it in my notes. Is this cringe? Is this brilliant? I don't know. Is it? So, I don't know that Olive Garden is, like, hurting for money. And they must be in on the joke. Where it's like, when you're here, your family. And they're a little, like, extra about it. But... You know, they mentioned the breadsticks. They play it pretty like, straight, and I, I'm not going like, to lie. I really want breadsticks now. I, I do feel like that was effective product placement. I am hungry right now. Thanks, Olive Garden. Um, but it was like, you know when it goes on for a beat too long? And we know this because, you know, like Indian movies, like just they're not even hiding the ball with the, the product placement. It's like you're at a really fancy party and everybody is drinking Coke. And it's like... Guys, isn't this a champagne moment? And they're like, no. It's a Coke moment. It's always a Coke <laughs> it's a moment. It's a Coke and Fanta moment. <laughs> um, it felt a little like that. So it's like, why are we at an Olive Garden? Okay, because they kind of, he parent traps them or son traps them in his apartment, like, you know, in the next scene. So it's like, you don't even need the Olive Garden scene. It was like, you just had two different scenes of yep. inviting them to talk. Of kind of the same thing. And I guess they're trying to show that he made multiple efforts, but I think it's more that it's an actual product placement like for the Olive Garden. Thomas Ian Griffith is so expensive to cast that they, I mean, that's the Somebody's got to foot the bills and provide the cast sure. with breadsticks, yeah. and it's Olive Garden. <laughs> I mean, look, Olive Garden doesn't pay us, but their breadsticks are legitimately great. Feel free to sponsor us, Olive Garden. Yeah, right? I, I love the breadsticks. Just send me those. Um... It's true. They're they're great. But we actually went to an Olive Garden together a couple of years ago, and you weren't a fan of the food. So I'm just... It was just okay. Yeah. Sorry, Olive Garden. Damn it! We lost Olive Garden. I know, Olive but I, I, I mean, I, our integrity demanded that I bring that That's up. That's true. Um, also, the next time that they... There, there is another Olive Garden reprise of eating breadsticks at the end of the episode, and I'm very hungry. But the point is that he's trying to sun trap them, as you, you so put it. They don't. They want nothing to do with each other. They keep saying they'll never be friends, which is, I think, pretty fair at this point. But um, the next thing is an escape room that Johnny has built in his own apartment. It is both also very cringe and also kind of genuinely charming. I don't know, man. So, I mean, I think it checks out that he would borrow the plot of Young Guns, too. That's a very Johnny thing. Uh, Lincoln County War. It's cute. Um, what I love and we both laughed at is like Robbie saying, Hey, we're not gonna, you two have your thing. Like, yeah. And it's like Robbie, that's the other thing. It's like Robbie and Anthony have so much in common in that like they both become like 
to spiritually free when they realize I am the unloved son and it's okay. It's just okay. Leave me out of your bullshit. Yeah. Just give me my PlayStation and leave me alone. Right. Uh, Robbie's Robbie just Robbie like, I'm not sleeping in the dojo. Yeah, I know. Things, Things are looking up. <laughs> it's a red letter day. Like, he's yeah. got a, a couch. He's, yeah, and he's like, okay, whatevs. Just don't make me, like, do an escape room with your actual, like, real emotional son. Um, I also love that, ah, man, Rosa shows up, and she's dressed up as Billy the Kid, and she has a riddle for them. And I'm like, well, Johnny, at least you're you're making good with your mother-in-law. That's nice. Um, But no, they, they basically are having none of it, and they both leave the escape room without actually playing by the rules. Nina, why have you never, like, arranged for us to do an escape room to bond? What do you think this is? The whole pod is, like... It's an escape room of the mind. Right, yeah, and I've, I've put you in it for three years now. Has it been three years? I think so. <laughs> I think it's been longer. It feels longer. Um, yeah, so that, that doesn't work out so well. And it's actually that conversation that Daniel and Johnny have, where Daniel, like, you know... Daniel, like, looks at the escape room kitted out apartment and is just like, should I ask? And when, like, Johnny, like, kind of alludes to this feud that he wants to solve, Daniel says something surprising, very undaniel, but I guess Daniel's in a weird undaniel place where he's just like, you know, maybe if you and I had just been able to, like, fight it out, no points, no tournament, we would have, like, gotten through our issues. Which, okay. that's true, yeah. I mean, I've often thought, Nina, that if we just fought it out, we'd get through some of our issues. But, you know, you're a coward, so... I was lurking in your apartment for hours, (laughs) and you never showed. (laughs) Otherwise, oh man, fists would have flown. Shit would have gone down. (laughs) So, yeah, like, Johnny, like, goes with the classic Johnny solution of he, he just uses an air horn to get both of these kids and also some neighbors out of their apartments and just tells them to fight. And they do, and it's pretty awesome. Yeah, I know. I thought, I think it's like some fight scenes, I don't know why they work, but this one had, uh, it made sense to me, and the fact that, you know, um, were you nervous when they went up to the second floor? Oh, I was nervous, and like... I was like, I don't think they would have Miguel kick Robbie off, but who knows with this show, Right? It was like, it was a real sense of danger. They seemed evenly matched. It didn't seem like a foregone conclusion, like who'd win or lose. It made sense that they were fighting. a little bit better, though? Miguel. Really? Well, he keeps winning, so yeah. No, but that's like a story machination. Oh, you mean... I'm just talking about just watching them, like, who do you think is... The better fighter. Well, you mean who has the better stunt double? Sorry, sorry, yeah, Are sorry, they, guys. They have stunt doubles? Yeah, they oh, do. Yes. Every every single person on the okay, show has fine. a stunt double. Um, but I watched one of those making of episodes oh, once. Okay. Um, but yeah, like I think that they give uh, they give Robbie like more like aerial kicks and stuff like that. But I don't know. I mean, it's flashy. But in, if you're watching the fight, like he's not like landing that many of them. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. But, like, yeah, but, like, even the show, in the universe of the show, which I guess is, considering, I'm I'm going to say it, considering that I think both of their stunt doubles are very talented men, and I would not, like, say that one is better than the other, I think just in the logic of the show, they're almost evenly matched, but Miguel's, like, a little better, right? Like, doesn't that seem right? Yeah, I think the only thing that Robbie has going for him is that, like, for a brief time, when somebody takes a parental interest in him, he gets some one-on-one karate time. Like, Daniel, for a time, took him under his wing. And sure, Miyagi, though, you're not going to really learn anything of use in the streets. So, but you learn to balance on that log, and that's not for nothing. Right, that, that um, really helps in fights. And then, you know, sure, he hasn't really learned much from Johnny. But Crease, you know, Crease was there, putting in the time. Really? What did Crease teach him? Hi, uh, yeah, no, I'm sorry. That moment of silence was a beat too long. Okay. Oh, we're going to get to my man, Chris. He's so, not out of the game. You can't count him out yet. But he definitely was never in the game when it came to Robbie's education. But it's a it's a good fight. It makes use of the space. Like, I liked it when they fought basically up the stairs. And yeah, then yeah. it also has to be, like, a really good resolution where, you know, Miguel has, like, Uh, Robbie against like that railing he could theoretically push him over and you know he has flashbacks to exactly that position when like Robbie pushed him over and he if you recall like 
hit a stairwell that like like put him in a coma and like half paralyzed him for a while. And I'm like, thank you, show. It's like nobody seems to remember that that happened. And I was thinking while watching this for the first time, like nobody like ever references like, hey, remember that time that like Robbie like basically paralyzed Miguel and has never apologized for it and has never really brought it up again. And then like, it's like the show heard me psychically and was just like, wait, now this is the moment when like Miguel chooses not to like push him over and, you know, Robbie asks why, and he's just like, I didn't get into karate to hurt people. And, you know, Robbie's like, I didn't either. So why did you do it when you did it? Well, I was like, I had tunnel vision. I had so much rage inside me. And, like, I know it was... Yeah, and it's always been misplaced rage because, like I said, sometimes it seems like, especially this season, Robbie's Robbie's a little too cool about the parental neglect, but maybe he worked out his rage in the previous season. Yeah, that seems like that. That's what he they're was sort of at. putting it on Miguel. Like any residual resentment right. was like, Miguel is the favored son, and now it's like maybe Robbie can finally release. Yeah, and I think it's that. like really important to me actually because it's like it always kind of bugged me that like it's like you can't expect. I mean, look, I get it. I'm sorry, Robbie's the unloved son, but like. I don't know why anybody would expect Miguel to be cool with this kid who paralyzed him and never apologized. Like, I, even if it was an accident, like, you, you gotta say something, right? But, like, well, I, I really... I think it's also very true to teenagers, right? Like, or even adults. Like, people are like, you're not angry at the person who hurt you or is most res- directly responsible. You sort of, like, that's his dad. He can't put all of that on his dad. He has to pick some, like, person who right. is kind of unconnected. But, like, I think this was, like, a really good like perfect way where he's he basically just says like i'm sorry that i led to the worst moment of your life it's if it's any consolation it's the worst mo it was the worst moment of mine too which like i think rings totally true because it's like look robbie had tunnel vision the rage had taken him over he did this thing but like if you were robbie in that situation and like some kid goes flying over like a railing and and hits something on the way down your first thought is going to be like oh fuck right it's not going to be like yes it's just like oh, fuck, oh, fuck, I can't believe I did that, right? Yeah. Like, and I'm glad the show, I feel like the show is finally acknowledging that, like, yeah, of course that was his reaction. He's not a serial killer or something. Yeah. In fact, <laughs> although we had teased that. We had teased life. that. But in the fact, like, I know you've said, like, yeah, that's just how a teenager would be, be like, but, like, teenagers do stupid shit, but then, like, unless you're a serial killer, you usually feel bad about it, right? <laughs> oh, man, the stories that we haven't told. Yeah, Nina's looking at me like, feel bad about killing someone why <laughs> um oh god but i mean if you had seen robo robbie you could have seen that alternate storyline well yeah i mean if they'd gone full robo robbie <laughs> then they definitely should have gone should have gone full evil daniel but his hair alas. is neutralized in this episode I'm glad yeah, to meanwhile I, I have to say miguel's hair get a haircut dude yeah i'm not liking the but that's this is college miguel where he gets into like ganja and like beat you know, poetry yeah and yeah. you know moving on okay okay um wow are we at our final scene we are the fourth plot of this episode okay so there's like this moving montage so after daniel gets beat down by terry silver and he's in the hospital and kind of all of the different people in his life reunite and it's like it is a story machination i know that jessica had like basically lured Amanda back to the hell that is her life. You could have been just drinking your pain away in Ohio and met your own version of Allie Mills. But no, anyway. Amanda has a car dealership. She needs to be back in California with a new, better man in California. That's true. Um, Season 8. But, yeah. She's back. The kids are back. Johnny's there. Johnny's there. Yeah. Um, everyone's rallying. The Chosen, troops. who was originally packing his bags, when Chosen Daniel was never packing his bags. Okay, like <laughs> he was just like, yeah, I gotta get on that. But he knew he didn't have a flight. Yeah, I know. What if he paid Terry Silver to beat him up? So he was like, I got a good thing going, man. I got to do this. Yeah, I could see it. I mean, people do crazy things for money. You know, or just you, a nice couch and a pool to swim in. Right. Stingray. I mean, you could buy a Stingray. Mm-hmm. Why can't you buy a Chosen? Oh, absolutely. But no, Chosen now gets to stay because karate is once again a real threat that Daniel needs to contend with. Um, and then you hear Tori's voiceover. She's talking to somebody. And she's talking about how, you know, she's hurt people. 
and things are getting out of control. And she sent people information that could get them hurt. And then, you know, that that's when you know that she's the one who sent the newspaper clipping to Casa LaRusso. And who is she talking to? Uh, jailhouse crease. Jailhouse crease. Um, With slightly less Botox and filler. Oh, man. The things does. that prison does to a man. He doesn't have the kind of prison connections yet to get the stuff that he needs. Yeah. So he's suffering a bit, but he's still got, like, a, a classic, like, crease pout smirk on his face. I actually really like the Tory was talking to, to Crease because, again, one of the things I've always liked is that they seem to have, like, a genuine bond, and I could totally see her being, like, the person who's visiting yeah, him. Yeah, she was willing to essentially, that whole, her having to conceal her alliance with Crease is why her and Robbie broke up, which, by the way, it doesn't actually seem like Robbie is that crushed. Like, they show Miguel kind of being like, oh no, Sam, the great loss, the great love of my Drops life. Drops his octopus but necklace. it's like, it's quite sad that, like, Tori has now dated both of these people, and they're like, mm, I, I mean, I think this goes to, like, you know, bummer. I genuinely like Robbie and Tori together because they actually seem like two normalish teens, like, dating, in that, like, they're dating, they like each other, they like hanging out, uh, but when they break up, it's not the end of the fucking world. That's true, because like, if you think about it, they went to prom, so it was, like, around probably May, early summer, and then they broke up, essentially. Yeah, like, because he went out away for the summer, and, like, they just seem like two two people who like each other, and, you know, but, like, it probably would date if, you know, their circumstances were a bit different, but, like, aren't also, like, heartbroken about it, which I think is, like, healthy. Like, that's, yeah, that's better than, like, uh, I think that this person I met in homeroom is, my, is the love of my life, and I can't live without them, <laughs> and we have an octopus theme going. Like, no. Yeah, he's not, I mean, he has every reason in the world to be emotionally stunted, but he's somehow not, and same thing with Tori, where... Remember, they have that in common where, like, they've been disappointed by every adult in their lives and they have bigger problems than, like, going to prom or not going to prom. This so, is true. So maybe that's why they're, like, a little bit, like, more uh, laissez-faire about, like, the whole thing. Exactly. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, to be fair, I don't know if Tori's been failed by Crease yet. Yeah. She's still visiting him in prison. She's been um, failed by other adults. She yeah, every that, other like, adult. You know, she has to scrape it out for, like, a warm bed. Wait, what happened to her, like, sick mom and her brother? I think they're still around. Still around, okay. Assume, you know? I, I don't know. Who's paying her rent now? I don't know. Silver? Is it Silver? I mean, Crease was paying her rent before, right? So maybe that yeah, was... Yeah, like, that whole... If Silver is playing life. Stingray's rent, like, he's playing Tori's rent. She's his champion of Cobra Kai. Okay. Like, she would... I mean, honestly, speaking... Well, then that's pretty dangerous to, like, give up your, you know, sweet deal to... Yeah, it's true. She must really be loyal to Crease. She's really loyal to him. He's like a father figure for her. I'm glad someone is loyal to Crease. Well, I mean, I know you're like taking a dig at Terry Silver, but like I'm seeing Crease in the prison and he's like, oh, Terry thinks it's over, but it's not over. And you know what, Crease? I've seen the rest of the season. You don't do shit to Terry Silver. That's (laughs) just laying the groundwork. Crease is like a cobra. He's in Brimation. He needs time. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Look, dude. Wait, okay. Let's get to the real question that everybody's wondering. Okay. Crease and Silver fight. Who wins? Okay, Silver, obviously. Silver has the strength of, like, 100 men at but this also, point. But also, like, I'm convinced that Martin Cove has a karate double because... They all have karate doubles. No, but yeah. I mean... Thomas Ian Griffith Thomas has Ian one. Thomas Ian Griffith has, like, maybe, but he, he actually has, like, what, 20 years of karate experience? Like... Eh, I, I mean, deep, deep, deep into the. I'm sure. Area. I'm sure, and that just makes it easier to swap in the double. Like none of these people are really hitting each other. Do you actually think Crease would beat Terry Silver in a fight? No, I just think that they both have doubles. But like, sure. I, but the okay. question of who would win in a fight is is totally like I'm. I'm I don't know. I think it would probably be Silver because we've seen him like with the strength of like a RoboCop. But at the same time, I mean, in the logic of the show, which makes I think it, Terry Silver is. Has more karate skills, and he's crazy. I think Crease is kind of nuts too. And in the logic of the show, which does not resemble Earth logic, um, instead of like, what do you think? Like, I think in the real world, like people are probably at their peak of strength at the age of like twenty eight or something, right? But in this this world of the show, you somehow just get stronger as you get older. Which you know, God help me, I hope that's true as I get older. But like. Because Crease is older, he's probably somehow stronger. We talk about how Terry Silver's 
a billionaire. Like, he's probably been sleeping in, like, a cryo chamber <laughs> and, like, taking, like, vitamin B infusions. Oh, like, not vitamin B and, infusions. And, like, eating salmon for every meal and, like, red wine. Like, the man is in peak physical shape. Let the, Carrie, the red wine comes in as something that would Yeah, he's gotten his telomeres extended. Ex- you know what I mean. But Crease, like, you know, I think he spent a good number of years under that bridge in Panama. And the Marriott doesn't have any of the special stuff that he needs. He's been getting his, like, discount filler somewhere. And now he doesn't even have that. I, I mean, think he's degrading. But he's been living through this world by his wits and his gumption. He has so much gumption, Nina. And, that like... But that can only take you so far in a karate fight. I mean, in the real world, yes. But in the Karoba Cryverse, I think gumption is everything. It's like, who at this point would be the one to throw the other into the snake pit? I mean, Terry Silver technically, metaphorically, already threw Crease in the snake pit. Exactly, but we know Silver... Silver's the one that backstabbed him. He never saw it coming. That's true, because he always thought, like, you know, Terry Silver was his loyal soldier. Mm-hmm. He won't make that mistake twice. That's true. I think Crease is, is wilier, and now he has he has no fucks to give. He, he has no friendship to rely mm-hmm. on. So I actually think that Crease is the one who would actually come out on top... Um, we've spoiled so many things about this season, but like we learn by the end of the season that Crease has special powers. <laughs> so yes, I absolutely think that he would win. Oh God, I love this. <laughs> um. Anyway, take it home. Take it home, Nina. What do you rate this know. episode? Okay. Um. I'm gonna give it three out of five. Because I wasn't, I, I was a fan of the last episode a little bit more. This one, maybe because it, they didn't have any more bonsai auctions. Just where are the bonsai? I know. Um. Uh. You can't come up with a rating system. Shit. You are spent. You've got nothing. Okay, wait. Three out of five Pandora's boxes. <laughs> <laughs> That's a line in the episode. Who is Pandora and what's in her box? box. I know. Yeah, we all yeah. want to know. Right? Um, okay. So, it's weird because it's like, while this episode had like a couple things I absolutely didn't like, well, the only thing I absolutely didn't like, I guess, was like the revelation that Daniel was right all along, but it had so many things that I did like, and it resolved like two major relationships, like the Daniel Johnny thing and like the the Miguel and Robbie thing, in ways that I found satisfying. So I'm actually gonna give it. This is crazy for me. For Miguel, get a goddamn haircut. It's it looks like it's sentient now. Oh God, Miguel is turning into Robbie. Whoa, reversal. There must be one horrible haircut. There, there must be one. It's true. All right, strike first. Strike hard. No No mercy. mercy.